0: Uh, welcome back to an episode of Spectator Mode. I'm Neil Strubik. With me, as always, is Donald Double D, the Craig. Yes,
1: here willingly today. <laughs>
0: oh, geez, exactly. Like how old are you for ransom every week? Unbelievable.
1: And no one ever but pays.
0: <laughs> Who would, man? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's terrible, but so true.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, now we got uh, only four topics today, keeping it kind of short and sweet. Talk a little bit about some Valorant news, some news on the horizon TV show front. We're gonna talk a little bit on our favorite little labor shortages or labor changes, I should say, and staffing issues within the video game industry, bit of a grouping there. So it's kind of like three items we'll you know join in together there. And then talk a little bit about Nintendo Direct Mini, the June showcase. All
1: right. I mean, I'll kick us off, and I guess Valorant uh Riot Games, which owns Valorant, has announced that they're going to begin recording game audio uh, beginning on July 13th in North America. They're saying this is basically because they want to use this as evidence for violations of behavioral policies. So, you know, if you get reported or whatever for in-game chat, voice chat specifically, in theory, they can use the chat logs, the the recordings to verify those reports and action it. Now, from what we know so far... It does not sound like it's going to be automated. It sounds like it's part of a manual review process is like the long-term goal here. Although I imagine like someday they're going to look to make that automated, that it's going to pick up certain keywords and do automatic banning is what I imagine the long-term goal is. I don't know. What do you think they're going to do with it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not quite sure what their glossary or terms are going to be then to kind of Uses an the instrument then to ban or restrict people. Uh, that's what I'm curious about. Like, what exactly are they looking for? I mean, naturally, I imagine racist, derogatory terms at the gates, but you know, how are they really going to police that? I'll be honest, when you sent me this, uh, if I played valor and I don't, I probably would stop just because really? I don't like that invasion of privacy like that. I, I don't like knowing that my voice, then even just me talking to my boys, if I'm just in game chat. Like when we do cross play, you know, if I'm playing everyone on PS5 or PS4, I can just talk to them on PlayStation chat. Okay. Now we're doing cross play. We're in the party chat. It's a simple notion of, you know, listening to the conversation, even if it's for good intentions. I don't like that. Like I downloaded Fall Guys and I immediately got rid of it when I found out it was Epic and I had to sign up for all of Epic stuff because I don't like Fortnite and all that because of the data mining they do. I really just was in the wrong way. I get it you know, you have social media, anything else, you have a presence, whatnot, but it's the single notion of, I know my information is intentionally being misused.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's a much larger discussion to be had, I think around Epic games and their privacy policies and the way they do stuff. But I think it's a very interesting idea that you're making of just like, you would nope out of the whole thing. Cause it, like, I think it does raise real concerns in, in terms of implementation. Cause like right now, as far as we know, this is literally just, testing systems. I'm sure there is concerns in terms of storing the data itself, all these audio files for everyone talking in the games. That's got to present challenges like scaling it essentially up. And then you get to the part of how does it get used in the reporting function, which I think is the long-term goal. Is it only used for manual reviews of things? So you still go by the actual reporting or does it become automated? And like you said, does it key into certain words because then that obviously, like you said, brings up the next concern of, well, then the way I talk to my friends and stuff, like I know they're not going to be offended by certain things. You know what I mean? And even if the term itself might be offensive or on their like no, no list, so to speak, no one I'm playing with is going to care or report me for it. So do you make it fully automated? Do you make it so that players still have to report them? And then the logs are reviewed automatically that way. Like, I think there's a lot of concerns in terms of how this is going to be appropriately implemented. And you know, what else would they do with the audio files? You know what I mean? Like they're going to be recording stuff besides just game audio, just through the nature of the fact that it's going to be picking up. A lot of people don't have good sound environments, right? A lot of background noise, a lot of things going on TVs in the background talking, you know, what if something comes through there? I don't know. It's got a lot of concerns for me as well. Um, I'd be very curious if any listeners would also consider dropping Valorant or if this makes you reconsider kind of the direction riots going with the game and, uh, You know, and I think, again, a larger discussion to be had about appropriate policing, essentially, of players and their interactions and how much the game company is responsible for policing that stuff. A larger discussion for another day. So moving along to our next topic, Neil, why don't you tell me what's going on with Horizon?
0: Yeah, I I guess it's still dealing with, you know, Big Brother Tech in a way. (laughs) Uh, The Horizon TV show based on Horizon Zero Dawn. And then, of course, the sequel just came out, Horizon Forbidden West. But a bit of a leak on the TV show title, which maybe gives an idea where they're going to be going with it. It's going to be called Horizon 2074. So, a little before we see a lore as her somewhat adult self, which she's 17, 18 at the time. And then, you know, going through her rite of passage whatnot as well. So, it's kind of at the fall of mankind, but not quite at the complete fall in that timeline. So, Rumor is it's going to be looking at more of the downfall of human society before Aloy's timeline really takes effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, because like Aloy relative to the in-game fall of civilization, as it were, huge time jump. I don't know exactly how much it is, um, but like several hundred years from when shit went sideways to Aloy's storyline in the game and the world that we see presented. And I think what's also interesting is I haven't played Forbidden West. I have played... Zero Dawn and that game gives you lots of really fun tidbits and like teases of kind of like what happened like how did the world get this way right like mm-hmm. where did the fall of civilization come from especially in the uh frozen waste or whatever the expansion that was released for uh Zero Dawn yeah
0: I actually really... not played that all the way through that DLC
1: oh I mean it's that one really does dive into a lot of the lore behind like what happened, what's going on, where things came from, yada, yada, is really much expanded in that in a big way. Do you think they're making the right call by going for what's functionally a prequel
0: to the games? 100%, 100%. Uh, I mean, we talked about this before when we talked about all of PlayStations uh, and Sony's, I should say, uh, TV shows in the works. Mm-hmm. I think it's more compelling to see the fall of it then what happens at the end of it. And I say that largely because, again, some of these games and errors are so strong already. I don't want to see a shot by shot remake. I just don't. And I also think the best way in Horizon's case to get new fans is that apocalyptic downfall. And it's not zombie based or anything else. Yes, it's kind of you know Terminator r- robots and whatnot. But it's good intentions, basically with you know fighting climate change in a lot of ways. And then what's going to happen? So I think there's a lot to pull from a lot of themes too that are currently going on as well. And I think that's the best way to really get new fans in. And then I think you can do a bit more fan service probably when you bring in, maybe you can show the tribes and maybe even have lower than two. You could even hold that until the third season, even depending on how big that gap is. Or, which is also possible, I'm not sure I f- feel about this, because I'd rather see the world building come to a full circle as far as, okay, set it up as where did the humans go wrong? And kind of where does it leave it? But I could see them basically doing the prequel, but then glimpses in the future. Which I, I feel like that could would be a little a interesting. Yeah, because like We're I disjointed. feel like
1: established fans are going to go crazy when they start seeing some of the monsters, right? Like when when the machines come out, you see the Thunderjaw for the first time, for example. If that's going to be in the show, anyone who's played the game knows Thunderjaw what that enemy looks like. They're you're going to get a reaction. You know what I mean? So you don't need to have the same characters and same storyline to be paying homage to homage to the game itself and be like making those references to appeal to established fans. I think it comes back to a point that was made before on the podcast here is like, I, I personally have fears about retreading established ground. I don't know how appealing it is to people who have already played through it or experienced it. And I don't know how much it brings a new experience to the storytelling by changing the medium. In a lot of ways it's less immersive because you're just watching things happen now instead of being part of them. So I think that's all like a, a legitimate concern in terms of, taking a story and just making a TV show port of it as it were. I hope it comes off well. You know, I really enjoy the game, so I hope it goes well. And like, I really hope my main concern is that they try to just draw it out too long, right? Because the game does set forth enough clues to say that this is a very specific and time limited event in human history. You know what I mean? Like it's a very specific moment. It ends, you know, And then I hope they just bring that to an end and they move forward then. And then we can see the rise of the tribes maybe can be its own separate mini series, so to speak. You can cut forward then and do like, there's like, like, you know, like two or three seasons, maybe per time period, as you're moving through things, watching them develop rather than just like a long, expansive, you know, five, six, seven seasons. And everything's just, you know, falling apart for that long, I think would be the wrong call. The storyline. Yeah.
0: I feel you. It's falling apart though.
1: Yeah. Speaking of falling apart, um, several games and developers have been having issues with staffing and I think we're going to just lump these all together so I'm going to go through it kind of quickly. Unity is laying off a bunch of staff. Pokemon Go is canceling projects as it cuts staff again. And even Halo Infinite, there are bugs and issues reported going on in the game that aren't being addressed because 343 admits that they have moved developers to other projects. And I think For me, the major concern with all of this is kind of the long term support we can expect for games and titles if they're relatively quick to move along to new projects. Like Pokemon Go, that's been out maybe a a little bit longer now, but Halo Infinite's not even been out a year. It's losing people already. You know what I mean? And like, especially in the state that we see a lot of games get released, they need support, they need balance adjustments, they need patches. You know, they they are not fully finished games anymore that you can play start to finish with no issues. They need a little bit of love after the fact. And a little love is okay, in my opinion. But like I said, like the main question here is like, does this raise any concern for you in terms of confidence buying games and long-term support?
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of go through each, each circumstance a bit to shape this out a bit. I mean, Unity was a direct kind of layoff, which is unfortunate, but we have seen that. And again, it's kind of how viable is, you know, game industry and game development. And it still think it is a bit of, uh, you kind of have to figure out what titles you're on and, you know, be ready to have to move, you know, bait and switch a little bit too, depending on what course of your career is is in, and also to kind of where you are in the development team and what side of the business you're on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, Layoffs happen of course. Pokemon Go. It's an older game, and again, how many people are playing it. So I'm not surprised by that. It is still unfortunate, but the game's almost 10 years old. For a mobile game, I mean, that's a hell of a long time. It's a hell of a run, honestly, This fact that it's still even putting out content. I think it's eight so, years old, but yeah, it is It is
1: older than I thought it was. In my head, I thought it was yeah. more recent. God, this is making me feel old. It's been out for almost
0: 10 years, like I said. So like eight years, still a long time. So I think it's just a mobile games usually don't have that long of a lifespan. So I think that's also an unfortunate thing. Three four three, I think, is more of a alarming thing because again, it's a game that hasn't been out for a year yet, and you already move on to the next project, and it kind of comes into Unity's issue too of like, how much stability do you have if you're going to get bebopped around and kind of going? Like, you already brought out a big game, had a huge launch, everybody was excited to play Halo again, you know, got rave reviews except for the battle pass and whatnot as well. Why would you not keep that going? And make sure you have the staff to keep people interested and again it kind of i think plays into what we're seeing with a lot of developers too that it's like this need to almost want an annual release on games rather than hey it's okay for a game and pokemon go great example even for mobile game you just keep putting out new content keeping it fresh and keeping the fan base interested there's no reason any game shouldn't be able to go for three four years and again that goes very against capitalist rules and of <laughs> you know keep making new but Halo Infinite's like, okay, you might have another Halo game in development, but if it's three, four, five years out, there's no there shouldn't be any issue for moving people off because you're providing a service. Why would you take the service away? And that's ultimately gonna hurt the next iteration of the game.
1: It's bad business. Well, I think for me, Pokemon Go being older, I I I guess there's an argument to be made for downsizing or moving staff along, but for NeonTech, the developer, Pokemon Go has been their cash cow. You know what I mean? Like, they've had other titles they've tried to bring out or they have brought out. 2019, they released a Harry Potter title, which is already closed. Um, They've just shut down the service on that. Like, it's, it's done. You know, it didn't even make it three years, which maybe that's more typical of the mobile game market. But it seems to me a little bit silly to be downsizing on the one thing that at this moment is drawing in the money because to me that seems like hey you're undermining your long-term profitability for short-term games or gain because you do need to keep bringing content for it to continue to be interesting and keep users engaged which comes back to the halo issue i mean we're talking bugs you know what i mean like the article and stuff that we're looking at stems around melee interactions and desync involved with that but Halo Infinite, the way it's been designed as a free to play game, also survives pretty much exclusively with new content, either new maps or new skins or new guns, like stuff like that is what's going to drive the long term profitability of the game. And if you're moving people off, one bug fix will just drive people away, period. But if you're moving developers off of the title, I don't know how you keep putting out the content you need to to keep people engaged with the title. So I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it on all fronts because i understand your points in terms of the being realistic about mobile gaming industry in terms of pokemon go and just economics in unity's case you know what i mean
0: not sure i did you ever think about getting into the video game industry
1: would i personally
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as a developer stuff like
0: this makes you double uh do double take
1: oh i mean i i wouldn't do it until until video game industry starts seeing larger scale unionization I don't think there's a lot of good job security here because like this stuff to me says again, like the what's the larger picture here? It's in the interest of short term games or profits, they will lay off staff. you know what I mean in the long term, I think it hurts the games, I think it hurts the profitability, but they're more focused on near the releases and having just like one game blow up and it's kind of like gambling, right? you roll the dice, you hit it big once. the company can afford to make those rolls and make those bets essentially, they just need to hit it big once in a while. But for the employees, if you're not lucky enough to be in one of those titles that gets big, your job's just constantly, I think, under threat.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well, On a, on a brighter note, and I mean, still game development, so mm-hmm. how bright is it, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Nintendo Direct had their uh, indie showcase this week. Uh, almost, uh, I didn't do the full count. I want to say it was a, probably about two dozen titles, maybe a little bit more than that. They had quite a bit. Uh, oh yeah just trying to under two dozen maybe but you know not gonna go through all the titles what what games are you most intrigued by anything on there too that you would kind of like eh, take it or leave it
1: i mean the first one that caught my attention is the first one they talked about was monster hunter rise sunbreak is coming out the first expansion for it i think it's the first expansion um but monster hunter world was a phenomenal game they brought it to pc It did very, very well in expanding the Monster Hunter franchise, bringing it to a new market and a new audience. They have a format for them that works pretty well. You know, you kill monsters, you get materials, you build better gear, you kill stronger monsters, you know, ad nauseum. But it's fun. It works well. Monster Hunter Rise was the next title that they released after World. They made some changes in that. And one of the main criticisms was people felt like there was a lot less content the flip side of that was they were comparing rise at launch to world post like expansions and like free updates, content updates and stuff that they pushed out with it. And so I don't know if that was fair. A lot of people pointed out that world on launch compared to rise on launch rise probably had more monsters in it, more gear in it and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think looking forward, to the title, what they do with the expansion packs is probably going to make or break it, and whether that can maybe take the spot that World holds right now, because it still has a very large player base, and does very well for itself, so... yeah, I'm always I, surprised I've been on that. the fence, really, from going from World to Rise, personally. Like, I'm close to trying to make that transition, pending Sunbreak yeah, here. Let me know
0: what you think when you do, uh, or if you do. I haven't played World... I'm, I'm honestly, I am honestly haven't played any Monster Hunters. I'm not against that that format, by any means, but uh just isn't a tight art for the followed... I was surprised by how many, I mean not surprised by how many retro, but I guess how many retro remakes. Like the Pac-Man open world kind of game. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Pac-Man kind of have the lore for that. I don't know. Bomberman uh, update with thought it's was kind of cool. Like an open world be,
1: everywhere, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: I thought the bomber is gonna be more of uh a, a free-to-play account they did with ninety-nine and then on the Super Mario um anniversary when it was a 35 players playing against one another. I thought they would kind of do more of that, but still if you're Robin fan, I think you gotta be excited. Mega Man Battle Network, a bit of an old school uh vibe there as well, a little bit different. But again, Mega Man fans going to be ecstatic. Only really two games stuck out for me. Uh well I guess two and a half. Okay. I didn't know Sonic Frontiers was coming to the Switch. I thought so I thought that was pretty dope. Okay. I honestly figured since it's open world it was going to be the same old can the switch handle it and I don't know how I missed that from you know following it, and whatnot, that it wasn't gonna be a switch. So big win for switch there. But blank, which was just that indie game with the wolf and the uh fawn, that looked fucking stellar. I'll be honest, looks super peaceful. Uh I mean I enjoy those indie games, especially on the Switch, like Spirit Fair just you know, simple game, chronic Genie on the PS4 as well. Like simple. I don't care. It's just soothing. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed the games of that, especially stressful weeks. It's like you don't have to think much. Melancholy music, like, all right, you know, get the Zen on. And uh, Square Enix at the end there, Harvest Stella, I was intrigued by. I don't know if I'll buy it, but I'm intrigued to see how the fan base goes with that. Because it seemed like it was taking uh, Final Fantasy mixed in with uh, Harvest Moon, which I imagine a lot of people just fucking orgasmed all over the screen.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, take take some of your winning franchises and let them have a love child, which is either going to be an incestuous monster or the greatest thing in the world. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that's one of the questions I'm curious too, in terms of fan reactions, how many people, how people feel about the number of remakes, updates, ports. Like there's not too many new things per se coming, uh, new titles being launched at the moment. Now that's fine. I'm, but what I'm curious about a little bit here though, is like how people feel with the number of ports, updates, remakes, like, not a lot of new titles. I'm confident they got a lot of stuff in the works. That's fine, but is this stuff that's like really worth announcing in the Nintendo Direct, essentially, or should, like, is it was a mini showcase? I guess I don't know. It, and that's kind of where I have the mixed feelings a little bit. Is like, how much of this is is newsworthy in the first place, essentially?
0: Well, that's kind of Nintendo Directs, though. I feel like a lot of them are kind of indie showcases, though more so. There's usually four or five, maybe six titles. I mean, Mario Rabbids was in there too, which we. Blazed over. I'm not a big fan of that, but I mean that's a people we'll love that fucking game. I have so like no
1: feelings about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I mean that's a huge win for them, uh, but again that's just something I'm not really in. Eh. But I my mean, most Nintendo directs, I feel like they do one one per month, and I will say probably maybe one three tops. I think really knock out of the park since the Switch has been out.
1: Well, do you think then maybe it's the production schedule that they're doing it monthly and there's just not that much to announce month to month?
0: Yes and no. I think it's a culmination of, I think it depends on how big of an indie fan you are, which again, like for me, the directs are exciting because a lot of those games, even like Heart of Stella one, I would imagine will be on sale for relatively cheap. I, especially, you know, Blank would definitely be for set by for like under five bucks at some point as well. So Games like that, I get excited about because I'm like, okay, on the Switch, I know I'm going to be able to cop them for cheap at a certain point. You know, don't buy them at launch. I think the other portion of that is Nintendo's titles. If it's not the mainstays, like a new Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild game, I mean, Super Smash Brothers had endless content for a while as well. I mean, they had directs most dedicated to that. That's Unless it's one of the That's big very titles, true. like a new Metroid or you know an F Zero launch or Donkey Kong Country, I don't think you get the same hype. And it's not that they aren't producing content for those. It's just different, even for Animal Crossing. Like, after launch, it's basically just additional content. So it's a Mario rabbits kind of thing. If you're a fan of that franchise, and that's Nintendo's sweet spot, though, because they do have such a little fan base, it doesn't matter. Like, for- Very true. I mean, I also think Nintendo is
1: probably the, the game company that maybe suffers the most from emulators and piracy. Just because they do have a lot of retro games, which means, you know, cracked codes and and less security measures. A lot of those games are easy to emulate these days. And I have said this before, like if you don't provide legal and easily accessible means of acquiring those titles, people will look for other avenues to acquire them. So in a certain respect, updating those things and bringing them to the console in a way that people can enjoy them for, you know like you said like 5 bucks or something it's not a it's not such a bad cost and i think most fans are willing to pay that to support the franchise it's just giving them a low cost avenue to do this legally so i think that's definitely the right idea um i guess that's probably all we need to discuss with the nintendo direct here which i think brings us to a close for today I'm curious what everyone's and- thoughts are on the discussion points the future of the gaming industry and developers post release Things you may be looking forward to in future Nintendo directs and titles that you are hoping to hear announced and any other thoughts, comments and or ideas on the state of the industry nerddom. We didn't really go into movies or comics at all this time, but I'm sure we can find some of that for next know. time. Maybe fingers crossed, but uh this is spectator mode and thanks for listening.